Welcome to Tech on Deck podcast brought to you by Fidelity Investments. I'm your host, Maureen Olajars, Domain Leader, Software Engineering, and Adam Ely, Chief Information Security Officer. Each episode takes listeners inside the walls of a fintech industry. Anything from cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, cloud and crypto, to the intersection of product and technology. Tech on Deck breaks down the topics top of mind for technologists today. Plus, we'll give you insight into the exciting and challenging careers in fintech. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Tech on Deck. I'm Adam Ely, Chief Information Security Officer at Fidelity. And I'm Maureen Olajars, Head of Software Engineering at Fidelity. And we're here today with Heather Munoz, who's the Head of Digital Channels for our personal investing business. Heather, thank you very much for joining us today. We're really looking forward to discussing what you and your team do uh, for our audience. And currently, we'll start there, you're a product leader, product area leader in Fidelity. Can you tell us a little bit about your role, um, what you do, and what it, what it means? Sure. So I, I started in this role about six months ago. Uh, we started working for Fidelity two and a half years ago. Um, when I was brought in, it was to move over and help reimagine our mobile platform and thereafter the fid.com experience. Um, and since then, I got convinced to take a role within the product uh, leadership uh, area and continue this work that we've started uh, about two and a half years ago. So it's been fascinating because I did push back extensively at first and said, why would you want me? I'm a technologist. Uh, that's what I've done for 25 years. I've worked with phenomenal product leaders and didn't view myself as someone who was remotely, uh, someone you would consider for a role like that. Um, and you know, I can say that I was wrong. I think you do need nowadays a pretty strong background in technology to really differentiate yourself and to build new technologies and innovation and be able to disrupt business. You have to understand the very lowest level of our platforms. Uh, and know what's going to stop you or prevent you from moving forward with some of the newer things you want to do as a digital strategy. Um, and so I've been extremely excited because I still get to work with technology every day and, and I bring in the engineers quite frequently, I think more so than any of my product area leaders, um, to ensure that they're at the table, but more importantly, that they help us drive the vision. So uh, I can say that uh, this has been probably the most exciting thing I've done in my career because uh, it was a little scary at first because it was something that I didn't view myself as as uh, well positioned to do well. So you said something I'm going to I'm going to pull on a little bit there. You said you pushed back and, and you asked, why me for this role? Not many people ever say, hey, don't hire me for a job. Um, so that's a little unique. So um, taking that position, what actually brought you into Fidelity? Like what got you in the door? Why? And, and, and maybe elaborate a little bit of, you know, why do you stay? Yeah, I actually love that question because of the fact I wasn't actively looking. Um, I really enjoyed my prior experience at the company I was at. Uh, they were very small in comparison, and we never had any money at that company. So it was always a challenge to figure out how to build good technology solutions when you have very little um, budget that's assigned with some of the work. Uh, but I was pretty impressed by the fact that uh, Fidelity was very persistent. Uh, they worked through a small boutique firm and kept asking me if I would just have a conversation. Um, and so Brooke 
Forbes, who was the CIO at the time and, and PI, um, you know, I was like, it's a female CIO. Of course, I'll talk to her. I'm a CIO. She's a CIO. Why not? Like build a relationship. And the more we spoke, she started actively asking if I would meet with uh, Peter Britton, who was in our architecture team. Then I met with Maureen, who's on this podcast with us. And then I met Kathy Murphy, just all these people in leadership roles who were so excited about what Fidelity was doing and actually seemed to really want to bring in somebody who had spent their entire career in this space. Not just that I was a female, not that I had worked in technology explicitly my whole career, but I actually worked for the competitor. Um, so uh, over building relationships, I would say, throughout those conversations, I became pretty open to some offerings of what different jobs they might have uh, open at the time. At, and at that moment, when I decided to actually talk to them at that serious level, um, I had a conversation with my, even my spouse because I ha I'm very, very set in my ways. I like to stay somewhere for a very long time. So making a move anywhere is extremely hard for me as a person because I think a lot of what I enjoy about companies is culture. And if I'm at a place where you know I have, I feel like I'm part of a family and I'm part of something uh, that's meaningful, it's really hard to convince me to move on. So it was a long, uh, I think I started talking to Brooke uh, about 16 months before I actually took it seriously. Um, and I was just really feeling blessed that I actually got to know um, females and senior roles at another company because it is rare. Um, that's one thing I've always recognized in my field is that females tend to not stay in the position in tech and move on to roles around technology, but not necessarily stay in very technical leadership roles. Uh, thanks, Heather. And if I think about that time, we invested a lot in you, and it's been, you know, an amazing. Um, it's been an amazing couple of years since you've been here, and uh, we've been blessed to have you here. And what you represent, what you've done in your career. So, tell us a little bit about the career trajectory, because I think as we dive deeper into that, um, as someone who's been involved in brokerage platforms and other things, how would you talk about that? Talk about that growth and the evolution. Yeah. I I really feel like it was, it was fascinating to me that when I got out of college, I had an industrial design degree and my dream was to work for Apple. And I wanted to build computers. And at the time, iPhones did not exist when I left school, but they were getting there. And I applied for every role possible around the company, whether it's through IDEO and other ways to get in. Um, I never was actually able to get the right job in the right space that I thought was a fit for me. And so I just took a job because I had some Unix experience with a company that happened to be building Sun servers um, and platforms on the behalf of large exchanges. And that's how I fell into it. And once I started working for a derivatives exchange, I was blown away at how often, how frequently I could move within that company, going from market data to front end systems, back into risk systems. And so that experience of always being fluid and being able to stay at one company and move into different areas of technology and work on different problems was the thing that I really realized is where I belong. I belong in technology and I never imagined that. And my own family always tries to explain like that I'm the oddball in the family. Everyone is either doctors, teachers, or artists. Um, so they don't understand the field. But what I always, always like to say to my family and to anyone who's interested in tech, especially females, is everything you put into it, you get back and then some. And you, if you're a person who likes to actively learn 
and constantly likes to challenge yourself to, to learn something that you don't understand deeply, there are people around you at all of these places I've worked that always want to help. All you have to do is ask. As a young female, I was very fortunate. I, I've heard stories about how some females were treated, but I, I had a very different, uh, you know, experience. Everybody that I worked with uh, was willing to help me if I had issues when I was learning how to code, how to be better at um, building things quickly, building things efficiently, thinking about all aspects of what good code quality is and what the definition of done is. And uh, so over time, I had a CIO who really liked that I kept changing my role and he wanted to showcase that. So he, he wanted me to move into a leadership role and I was hesitant then. So this must be a pattern for me. I'm like, why would I do that? I like being an individual contributor. And he convinced me to take my first role managing people and I enjoyed it quite a bit. So I always have to be convinced of things. I always have this idea about what it is I'm good and bad at. But um, from there, I moved pretty quickly up into the ranks and at one point was an officer of the company I worked at and had significant presence and spent time in my late uh, 20s and early 30s working with boards. And, and that is just a gift because looking back at it, it's a very unique thing, especially at the time frame I was in the field. Um, and then eventually I started getting a lot of people pinging me, wanting to, to look at me and talk to me. And I was like, wow, this is impressive. I, I don't know why they want to talk to me. But I think for females in the field, if you're working at a company where people are supportive and do want to have people around them that just are passionate about the field, you know, you know, you, you can do a lot with your career. Never stay at a place in my mind where you feel like you're just being pigeonholed or that someone has a perceived notion of what you can and can't be. Um, but you know, that, that trajectory for me was literally, I had a bunch of sponsors and people cared deeply about increasing my responsibility um, throughout that journey. I really never even asked uh, for much of anything, which, you know, I know is strange for, you know, in some areas of, of different businesses, but I do think in technology, we have a, we have an ability, females, that is to uh, have great intuition um, and to read into what people are thinking. And when you work around a bunch of people who tend to be introverts, I think my gift is I can see what it is that's making them uncomfortable and ensure that I have a follow on with them alone. Um, to make sure that their thoughts are included in what we're doing. Uh, sometimes you, you can get lost in technology because if you are an introvert, which most are, uh, you just go ahead and let things lie and, and you actually don't feel excitement about your work if you're constantly for years just having bosses that don't understand that your engagement needs to be different. Heather, so before Adam goes, I know he wants to dig into some of your background and product area leader, um, which is another evolution of your career. But thank you so much. That's such an authentic description and really brings to life for our, hopefully our audience who's listening, you know, what it means to be a technologist and the, the various different growth paths that you can take. And I love how you talked about that. So so thank you for sharing. Uh, some just not making sense to me here uh, all of a sudden. So, you know, you're, you're obviously somebody who likes to stay with a company for a long time. You need a lot of convincing, maybe a little, you know, aversion to change a bit. Uh, you weren't sure if this was the role for you, but let's, let's go back in time. Like, let's rewind history for a second. When you took this job, that's about the time we were in a global shutdown. Like we were. Nobody was going anywhere. Nobody knew what was going to happen with the economy. Everything was going to fail. 
But yet you took a new job with a new company in the middle of that. Like, I I just really want to hear what your decision process was to do that. Maybe even, did you go out to your mentors? What did they say? Like, I, I just really, I'm, I'm fascinated by that. Yeah, I, I think, you know, so I started here. I took, I decided to take the role four months after the pandemic started. So innocently, like a lot of folks, I'm like, ah, it won't be three years. We'll be done in six months. This is not going to last for that long. Um, so when I started in November, because it took a little time before I could be onboarded for various reasons. And that even then I was like, oh, I'll get a badge. I'll be able to come to the office and meet all these wonderful people I've been talking to on video. And that didn't happen. Um, one of the things that I think is fascinating is after three three, four weeks, I was like, okay, I, people are so friendly here. They're so excited. People set up time with you. They see that you're, uh, you know, onboarded and they want to meet you. They're from all over the company, not just in the department I work in. And so it was really exciting and fun. But then after eight weeks, I realized, oh my God, what did I do? I think we're all going to be locked down for at least another year because you started seeing more and more on the TV about what, you know, what is required to get everyone back to normal. And that's a vaccine. And that wasn't ready in any way, shape or form. So I was like, all right, I wonder if I made the worst decision of my life because this could go on and they don't know me as anything more than someone on a video. In the last company, everybody knew everything about me so I could crack my ridiculous jokes and I can say what I was really thinking about, whether I was having a good or bad day. Um, and so I really felt like it, it, it could have been a miserable experience, but every time I worried about that, somebody knew, and I don't know how Fidelity does it because it's such a large company, somebody knew would just decide to introduce themselves and talk to me. And a lot of them have been there 30 years. And a lot of them have been there 20 years. And I had worked for a company for so long that I was like, oh my God, this, this whole organization is just like me. And then I'd meet someone who's like, I started six weeks ago. What was I thinking? Like someone who was just like me going through the same exact scenarios in their head. And how do we, how do we more bond with each other? Cause we're both new. We're, we're, you know, we're unable to meet anybody. And the combination of the two, just meeting different people that are actually willing to just you know, see you on, on a, and, you know, just an announcement that you were new and that you were going to be working on a pro project with them. I think it helped quite a bit, but I actually feel like that's one of our strengths at this company. Now that I've been here two and a half years, I've noticed that even when I see an announcement, I always think to go ahead and ping them and see if they need anything, if they want to catch up, even if it's for 15 minutes, whether it's a junior engineer or a senior leader that's around this place, because I remember vividly how great it made me feel. And I think that's just part of the culture here is that people are excited about having people that are new, that may have a you know, different experience and people want to get to know you. What did you do before this? You know, how did you decide to come here? Um, and a lot of these folks, we have a lot of locations, they're from all over the US. So it's, to me, it's, it was definitely uh, something I was frightened about, but then, you know, over the course of the first year I got really used to, you know, it was, still really excited when I finally got to meet everyone in person, but <laughs> I am definitely a people person. And I like to interact uh, wherever I can uh, together in a room. So was there, was there uh, kind of that first moment where it felt maybe more real? Like, did you come into an office to get your badge or, you know, your first day of working in an office? Was there that kind of moment that made it feel more real for you? 
Yeah, I, so I actually, my, my uh, coworker, Carolyn Riley, she's amazing. She spent over six weeks working with the security teams and with, you know, minist- administration to get me into the buildings. I really just wanted to meet uh, Brooke, who was my boss at the time, and a few key, key other people who had access in the building. But we weren't really allowing anyone in there because it was still full of pandemic. Um, I got on the plane with all the other people fully masked. And when I got off, I was just so excited to just be at the location, see the office. And yes, I got my badge when I walked in and I can't tell you how excited I was. I don't know why it's such a little thing, uh, but then I really felt like I was finally a part of the company. And I don't know why the badge made a big difference for me, but it did. And there were very few people there, but it was super, super wonderful that Brooke surprised me by having people that were working with me um, meet at a restaurant because we weren't really allowed to be in the offices. So we all met outside, sitting outside at a restaurant um, so we could all talk to each other in person. But yeah, the badge was a great experience. (laughs) That's amazing. Nobody has ever been so happy to get their work badge in the history of, of companies. That's amazing. Well, you know, to me, it felt like, you know, that's that's how, you know, you you've you've landed a job at at your companies is when you actually get access to a building. (laughs) So, Heather, thanks. Uh, We're going to pivot a little bit into some of the things around product development, and uh, we'd love to continue talking with you and find out a little bit more as we have technologists listening to the podcast and what Fidelity offers in that space. But, um, you know, tell us a little bit around product development and what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, Uh, I think the most wonderful aspect of what I'm learning every day is that I had this assumption for many years as a technologist that product folks really didn't think through how it might affect the underlying systems. And they do. They think about it all the time. I think the thing that is phenomenal about um, being in this role is that I now see the other side of all the work that goes on. Um, I mentioned earlier to both of you before we started this conversation that I spent a lot of time in PowerPoint, but a lot of it is visually trying to explain, explain to senior leaders why we need to do what we need to do to to help serve our customers better, to think a little bit broadly about what it means to be digital. And that only comes from spending a lot of time visualizing it before a single line of code is even written down. Um, And so I had not not nearly enough empathy for the hours, the thousands of hours that these these teams spend just thinking through different ideas, working with research, working with design teams, trying to do very, very small scale versions of what is really a large customer base. You know, Fidelity has 24 million unique customers on you know, fidelity.com that hit us last year. We want to ensure everyone who's engaged with us today aren't going to be unhappy uh, with anything that we change, yet we want to continue to grow and expand the offerings for people who are newer to us. Um, and so I had no idea the amount of effort had, that had gone on day to day because I'm so busy in development, working on what we need to do to execute on the things that are happening at the moment. But these folks are thinking about two years out, six months out, nine months out. So that has been wonderful uh, to understand. I think, honestly, that's why I liked moving around so much when I was younger, too, is that you get empathy out of any situation where you go into an area that you don't understand and you might have had some short conclusions that were absolutely not really the case in the long, you know, in the long term. 
That's awesome. And you, know, you, you said empathy there. And, and earlier in the conversation, you, you mentioned uh, women in tech. And there's this sort of pattern that I'm, I'm picking up. And, and I think I've heard that you're involved in a number of DNI initiatives, I think maybe in the company, but outside the company as, as well. And I can see that theme kind of coming through, uh, which is great to see. You know, before we talk a little more about your career, I think it's important that you know we we bring all those things of ourselves and our values into the into the company. Let's take a minute. Can you kind of tell us a little about what you're doing in that space? Yeah. So over the years, uh, I, I've done a lot of different bringing in new constructs around kids who code, children who code. Being in Chicago, where my home base is, um, we have just in the community I live in a lot of programs that we've put in place to help kids at a very young age, especially in um, our under, you know, we developed an, un, in school systems that, you know, in the city, it is a mixed bag of very good and then not so good uh, schools for kids having opportunity to experiment with computers. So I, over the years, I've used uh, some of my energies to help with those programs, whether it's just building and fixing computers, um, but spending a lot of time with Girls Who Code um, recently in in, the, in Washington, D.C., um, mostly just looking at uh, some of the kids who are in going to college who want full scholarships, looking at some of the things that they're proposing that they bring to us at the table and say, here's what I'm thinking I want to bring to my scholarship offering. I want to be able to showcase this. It's blown my mind that it's expanded into multiple sciences. In the beginning, it was always about the getting them comfortable with the computer. Now it's expanding into AI. It's expanding to medical fields. Uh, you know, so the the study of what we're doing and the expansion of those programs has been significant in the last five years, and it's been fascinating to watch how many communities are having people come from companies like ours and spend time and energy in the space. 15 years ago, that wasn't the case. It was really hard to get some buy-in from a lot of corporate companies to help with those initiatives. But locally at Fidelity, we're such a large company. We do a great job globally, but sometimes locally folks feel disconnected. So recently we've put together just for our digital experience organization, and, and this organization manages you know, mobile for our um, virtual assistant, our, you know, fidelity.com, all of the aspects of the, the digital experiences we're creating. Um, but it's quite a big, you know, group. It's about 900 people and we're in five locations. So what we've done is locally had biweekly meetings where we coordinate what's going on globally with the company and locally. And then what do we want to do when we're in the office together? Do we want to connect and actually do our own one-off conversations about local things that we might want to volunteer for? And I think it's actually added a huge value because of the fact we have so many new employees and they don't know where to start. And there's a lot of places you can sign up for things, but you don't necessarily know how to get involved personally. So that's where we've taken it while, while in the last six months while I've been in this digital experience group. Oh, that's, I mean, that's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot that you're doing, which is great. So thank you for that. There, there's something that I keyed on there a little bit. You know, I, I see that you're working with um, uh, girls who code and kids who code. And, but then you talked about maybe the students are a little bit older uh, going into uh, college. Is there any advice you give to them about um, advantages of coming to a company that's a financial services company versus a, a traditional tech company and helping them with that path? Or do you see an advantage there? Well, I, I think a lot of folks don't think of 
Morgan Stanley and Fidelity and, you know, name the top five of the fintechs out there uh, in the space that we're in. Um, there are many times where I've mentored girls who think that they want to work at an Amazon or Google. And what I'm asking them is like, what are you trying to drive for? Are you thinking more e-commerce? Do you want to sell something or do you want to build on something that in, uh, in actuality is just as much of a fintech and is just as I'm sorry, just as much as a technology driven organization, but it's serving people who are trying to plan their entire lives for how it is they manage to get to retirement. And these platforms to me are much more interesting. Um, and I just try to tell them personally why I think it's just interesting for me. And that is because it has a huge high touch point with a very personal part of what it is we are as we establish ourselves right out of school and then throughout our lives. We change so much what we what we think we need and what we want. I mean, when I was 25, I was going to be retired by the time I was 40. And that didn't happen because I actually love what I do, not because I can't, but I actually didn't do a very good job to execute against that anyway, because I was so busy working and traveling uh, with friends on vacations that I didn't do a good job of planning. So now I look back and I'm like, there are better tools out there that we could create that allow for customers to not have to interact every day, but know that they're doing the right thing for every pattern in their life. I would have done it, but it was very manual. It really didn't exist. And so I try to remind kids when they're, they're looking at us and they're talking to us and they're in our intern programs, what are you looking for? If you're into like, you know, I wanted, if I have a passion about selling shoes, I'm not going to work at Fidelity. If I have a passion about like, you know, just working at the front end of a product development that is an e-commerce platform, I, I probably won't look at Fidelity, but I actually find that uh, the whole reason I never left this space is because it is really complex and it, it involves a lot of different aspects of what we learn in college, not just one or two notes. It hits on a hundred notes. So, so Heather, let's uh, let's dig into a little bit on the technologists, and as you are thinking about people, as you you just talked about, why might people be interested in a fidelity, right? When it's called, you know, it's a in the financial services industry, but we spend six billion dollars on technology every year, and so that's a huge investment. That's a tech, you know, digital businesses are in the business of technology. So, let share with us, you know, some of the things, either the advice or what you look for when you're thinking about technologists and what you might say to the audience, right? You know, for not just problem solving and the kinds of problems, you know, uh, that you might bring solutions to for customers, but share a little bit there. Yeah, I, I think my advice for anyone who's even looking at Fidelity, um, one of the things that is a gift I think that I forgot about too, I worked at a private company when I first got out of college and then immediately moved to public. The nice thing about private companies is that they work a lot longer on investing in the future. And they spend a lot more time really researching and building on constructs and ideas that may not land as a big you know, uh, gain for investors. Um, and that's all you focus on at a public company is do your investors agree with the time and money you're spending on your technology? And sometimes I've, I've heard us called cost centers at some companies, I've always tried to steer away from that because uh, that's not necessarily the case. But when you're with a private company like a Fidelity, it's a much better experience for a technologist because you can think broadly and a lot more longer term and actually work on a complex problem deeply without someone coming and saying, 
well, that's not making money for us immediately. So we're going to stop working on that. And I've had many things in all the public companies I worked for uh, just get shut down because it wasn't making money immediately. And it was always disheartening and, and actually heartbreaking um, because of the fact I'm positive in some cases, because I've seen it in the marketplace, it would have worked out well, but it just wasn't the right time and the right moment for the company. Everything I've seen here, um, and it's, by the way, a very quiet company. That's one thing I just absolutely love about Fidelity. Once you're here as an employee, it's amazing the problems we're working on, but we're quietly working on them. And we're spending a lot of time, money, and resources to ensure that the, what we do uh, for our customers is meaningful on on very different levels than most pu public companies shoot for. And, and Heather, when you're when you're recruiting these these technologists and, and you're bringing people into the company, you know we've been in kind of a, a weird place the last few years. Uh, in office, you know, out of office, hybrid, and obviously we have dynamic working, and we're trying to blend the best of uh, having that flexibility with on-site collaboration. How do you think about this, especially you know, when we know most of us are, are introverts in technology and we're trying to launch all these new products? Like, talk to us a little bit, like, how is that working for, for you and for a team? And, and what are you thinking about in the future? Well, I will say that uh, I like getting feedback from the people we've just hired because they're more honest and, and frequently give feedback openly because most of them aren't sure where they want to be in two or two, five years. That's definitely a trend I've seen uh, at, across all of the teams I've worked with at Fidelity. And I think that's just a wonderful thing about uh, the, the age group of 20 to 30 is that they are way more candid about what they think and feel. And there was direct feedback over and over again about, I don't want to have to come here every single day of one week. We have one week a month. We have to be in and it's five days and then the other weeks we're at home. And I'm like, why? We're all going to be together. And you know what? In the beginning, we didn't do a really good job of ensuring we were all sitting in one location and actually spending time together. But we're learning from that feedback. And that feedback was super important because every single one of the Connect Weeks have gotten more and more exciting and meaningful. And one of the people gave me the harshest feedback, and I don't work with her directly anymore. Um, she pinged me um, on Teams the other day and literally said, I hate to tell you this, but I actually look forward to our Connect Weeks. I know I'm, I now know I was very wrong because now I actually know my team and we've gone to lunch together and I look forward to being with them because I have a list every time of everything that's like not something you can do on Zoom because you really need a good portion of the group together to think through these problems. And Zoom is uncomfortable and people don't really talk on it. So actually being in the room, we're way more open. And I'm like, that's really what we wanted to get from this. So I just loved hearing that because in the beginning it was like, no, you know, we've gotten used to being at home. We don't really need to be, if we're technologists, we don't need to be, I don't want to be on my headset in the office. If I'm you know, going to be there, I might as well be at home. And now that we've actually done a much better job of ensuring as a group, we're going to do things that we wouldn't otherwise do on Zoom. People are really excited about it. I actually haven't heard any negative comments um, now that we've gotten used to this idea. But I love the fact that we're doing a full week, um, not two days here, three days here, because uh, some of my friends in technology are telling me this pattern where you have to come in two to three days a week is actually very frustrating to everyone because people don't have a space. They don't have assigned areas they can work together. So I actually feel like this is genius what we've done, where we have one full week where we spend time together and we do it well. Heather, that was uh, that was really interesting, and you've shared so much 
uh, with us today for the audience. Uh, so before we end, we always love to have a couple of light moments and talk about some fun things. So um, would you share a story, something that others don't know about you, um, something you created, anything, you know, anything that you'd like to share? Years ago, I decided I, at some point I wanted to get full um, ability to just taste wine and grade wine and sell wine and maybe own a wine shop. And the more we traveled and I was tasting wine, um, I realized that every time I went to a restaurant, friends would ask what they should order. They would text me on my phone and say, here's the list and make have me pick things out. So I started accumulating a lot. So I built a database and it wasn't a very fancy app. It's I don't have it up and running anymore. But there was a bit of time where uh, I was known at a company I worked at for a long time as the the person whose app you should go to. Um, now there's many in the market that are much better than mine, but uh, that had written an app so that anyone at any restaurant could pick out something that was decent and tasted okay. So uh, that was one of my hidden talents is I, I definitely know how to pick out wine. And when I say I know how to pick out wine, I know a lot of people think you have to buy expensive wine in order to have a good glass, and that's not true. So my app was really built on if you like this $15 wine and this $30 wine, I can put you in a category of somewhere in the middle. If And you know that way you have multiple options. <laughs> Excellent. An influencer. I love that. <laughs> um, was it were any favorite regions out there? Uh, you know, I, I love them all, but I would say that Epernay, uh, it's where Champagne is made, is, is by far my most uh, favorite region of the world. And I, I never really liked Champagne until I went there. It wasn't really my thing. I was more of a red and, and white Chardonnay style wines. Um, and now I drink way too much Champagne since I've gone there. <laughs> okay. That's <laughs> going to have to be for another podcast. <laughs> Very nice. Well, before we wrap up, because uh, we're coming to an end, unfortunately, is there anything you can leave our listeners with? One piece of advice, something maybe for their career um, that really you'd want to convey to them that could be helpful? Uh, my only piece of advice I try to give anyone I mentor is always do what you love. If you wake up every day and you really just don't want to get up and get running and go to the office or go to your desk and work, not at the right place or you're not working on something that's meaningful to you. It's a lot easier to enjoy every aspect of your life if you can enjoy what you're doing for a living. Keep looking. Keep looking until you find that right thing too. Don't don't get yourself stuck in a in a field that you think is well what you did. So you have to stay in it. Always look for something that makes you feel good. Got it. So always look for that great job that you want to get out of bed every morning. Do something amazing. That leads you to fidelity. Got it. Okay. All right. I might I might have ad libbed. <laughs> That's exactly there. right. Yeah, I might have ad libbed a little bit, but okay, I got the gist of what you're going for. Well, Heather, uh, I we want to thank you. Uh, we really appreciate it. this. Was great. It was great getting to know you a little bit better. So we really appreciate your time today. Well, thank you. Thanks for joining us for Tech on Deck. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you haven't yet, please give us a five star rating and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you to our listeners and recording studio and editors who make our episodes possible. To learn more about tech opportunities, head over to tech.fidelitycareers.com. See you next time.